Hello and welcome to the Hyper Sex Lab podcast. I'm your host, Sapphire. And I'm your co-host, Sepia. Loop your ears up for some audio listening pleasure as we explore the cavernous depths of technology. Hyper Sex Lab podcast. So, with that little anecdote, <laughs> hello everyone, and welcome to this episode of the Hypersex Lab. I'm here. Don't with know how to my act. Lovely, my brilliant. Don't know how to act. That just bitch, Miss Sepia, in the house. Just totally visualized getting flashed in the Apple Store right now. But yeah, it's great to be here. Hi, Sapphire. What yes, the fuck? And, and if you're wondering what he's referring to. Be so kind as to support us on our Patreon page yes. where we have that story in case you're like, what? What was that? What was that we took, tea? We took the Let time. me sip some of that tea that they just Ooh, she wants perfectly <laughs> delivered. Yeah. Get um, your get your get your tukus over to our Patreon page and, and yeah, find out what we what's set up a whole about. website for you guys. We took our sexy ass photos. We really hope that they were not in vain and somebody enjoyed them and hopefully masturbated to them already. I hope because that you masturbate to our content. Yes, I want. I, I did not. Maybe pay. not the audio, but actually, maybe the audio. Oh, people get turned on by audio. I get. Oh. I don't know. I, I don't know what it is about ASMR that turns people on, but yes. I mean, I like ASMR. Okay. Anyway, before we get so sidetracked, welcome everyone. This is going to be a lovely episode. Just yeah. to give a little bit of context for everyone tuning in today, Seppi and I have each prepared a list of questions to ask the other. And we have no idea what they are. Yes. So stay tuned because we're, we're going yeah, to find out some stuff right we're here. We're playing a little bit of Hot Seat today. Have you ever played Hot Seat? What is that? Hot Seat? Oh, my God. Okay, so <laughs> I played, played it, it in SoCal last year around this time. And mm -hmm. usually it involves college students or, like, young adults kind of getting, like, as fucked up as they can, like, on weed or, dr like, not drugs. I mean, that computes, but, like, or, how is it played? Yeah, That's my you question. get fucked up um, on, like, alcohol or something, and then you guys all sit in a circle and go around this and to select one person to sit in the hot seat, and any question is not off the table. Like, you can ask them, like, the most dirty questions, and, like, usually there's a lot of sexual tension in the room. So usually it's like, oh, how hard can you deep throw? Or like, do you like giving head? Would you give head to that person? Like the really, really explicit, like no. Um, I mean, no why do you need to be fucked questions. up to answer those questions? Is because my that's that's usually like the social lube. I think that like a lot of people mm. like. I my I went yes, actually. Yes. My friend got really lube, uncomfortable, yeah. and actually, I, I actually when I was in the hot seat, I avoided a lot of the questions. You they avoided? Like, yeah, they were like, oh, uh, I think one of them was. What's your body count? And I was like, mm, I can't remember. <laughs> Which is like, oh, that could suggest possibly it's All like really high. All the bad bitches say, or... mm, can't remember. <laughs> yeah, because I knew this guy wanted to sleep me with me, but like, it's it's just it was a fun game. But it made some people really uncomfortable because she wasn't as fucked up. It was whatever. But it's it's kind of like what we're gonna be playing today. So, uh, do you want to go me. first or shall I? Mm. Um. Awesome. <laughs> All right, your turn. Okay. What is the one sexual fantasy that has been on your mind the most and that you really, really want to try but have not done yet? Um, This isn't something that's been as of recent. This is a fantasy that I've had for quite some time now. I 
one of my very big fantasies, and I know that this probably is not going to come off as remarkably kinky or interesting or whatever, but it's a fantasy that I very much have and would like to live out. And okay, I'm just going to say it. I'm going to stop being around the bush, girl. But I've always had <laughs> I've this. i around fantasy. the bush all the time. What do you mean? <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. But um, that's a drug race reference. Yes, yes it is. Um, my fantasy is getting my pussy a on the beach. Mm. Like for any of you that have ever had the sensation, picture this, okay? It is a gorgeously warm day. The sun is out. You're either, you know, at a pool or some body of water and you've just gotten out of this body of water and now you're laying down on sand, grass, whatever the case may be. And it's that feeling of after, you know, you've gone swimming and then you come out and you're just experiencing the warmth of the sun, just like warm your body. And it's just this feeling of like release that I find really (laughs) exciting. And so just I couldn't imagine like how awesome it would be to just feel my entire body's warmth from the sun and then having someone eat the shit out of me like they're famished. That would be next level. I personally would really, really love that. Um, the warmth and the wet, wet and the sand. <gasps> would you be scared to get sand in your vagina? That's always what people bring up is like, are you afraid of getting sand up in your coochie? And the answer is yes, of course, but I'm committed. Like, this is a fantasy that has been Dude, that's a little bit long of salt lasting. I could go to a pebble beach too, it doesn't oh, yeah. have to be sand. That's true. Um, Newport Beach. Yeah. And so There's for me, shells. that's definitely like, a, for me, that is a big fantasy of mine. I want to get eaten out at a beach on a warm day. Oh, that's hot. That and period. Hot. And just nothing else. Just I want to come <laughs> repeatedly from having my pussy ate. And mm-hmm. that's Stay that. Stay down there. Eat that pussy like you a little <laughs> sucker fish. Live your fantasy. I got fucked at the beach recently. Yeah. It was fun. It was great. Cute. Uh, definitely got sand in my ass though. <laughs> okay, that was gonna be my next question, but thank you for interjecting. I was like, girl, did but, you or did you not get sand okay. in the booty hole? But you did. How was it? It was good. It was fun. Like we definitely had to like be quick though because this was like public and we heard somebody mowing the lawn behind us somewhere. It was actually wasn't a beach. It was like a bank of a river, <laughs> but it was sandy oh, and there was water okay, okay. and the sun was out. So it was you like tell me it about basically this, should have yeah. been a beach, but. I don't know why. Okay, so it rema- it recalled this stupid fucking Twitter meme that came to my brain that one of my friends showed me where this guy was at the beach and he had like a really fat ass and he put sand up his butt and then pooped it out on, on film and then posted it on Twitter. So, I, so the whole time I was getting fucked, I was like thinking of that video because I was like, fuck, like is sand going to get in my ass? And like we had a very like at length conversation about how sand is not good for your ass like it's gonna tear like your fucking lining of your intestine oh and like my God. but you know what? it was great and he came and it was fun and definitely was living that fantasy um my next question for you is going to be what has the evolution of your sex life look like oh my god okay this or is gonna be some like, tea remember i told you pedantic oh my god okay i had some confessions mm-hmm that I told you I had to tell you. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is going to get into a lot of them. Oh, okay. That's what's up. This, the evolution of my sex life, honestly, 
kind of started, um, yeah, like with sexual awakening. Like I think, yeah, I've told like in previous episodes, um, when I was younger, I fucking watched that movie Robin Hood. I was like, dude, this fucking fox is so hot. What is it about him? And then just from that young age, like that kind of like festered in me. Mm-hmm. And it kind of culminated in me trying to figure it out in ways that were subliminal because I think that there's like a subconscious that we kind of have that definitely pushes us towards certain things. Even if we can think in our minds, like I'm going to say, I'm not going to do that because I'm Catholic. I'm not going to masturbate. And then I'm going to know on my subconscious, I'm going to masturbate tonight, you know? So yeah. I definitely think there was a subconscious kind of uh, sexual kind of being in me that was growing like right around like my preteen age. Cause that's like when I got an iPod. Mm-hmm. And like could definitely like go on the internet and explore things myself. And this is where the tea comes. This is kind of like spicy, but I'm also like bearing all because we're going to talk about it. But um, okay, like I downloaded Kick, and as like a preteen teenager, like on Kick, there's like these little hashtag chats that you can go into. Like, well, Kick is like a messaging platform that was like really big, like back in like 2015, 2013, something like that. Okay. And um, in these messaging chats, like you can type a hashtag, like hashtag gay, and it would take you to like a chat room that was filled with other people that had typed the same hashtag. And you can meet like a ton of other people in these chat rooms. And I remember the first time that I discovered it, like there was a ton of people like my age, like talking like, oh my God, like, hey, I'm gay, I'm queer, sending pictures and sending nudes, uh-huh. which is kind of like, oh shit. Like, I mean... I get it. Like I was a minor, but this is like the internet, like the internet kind of like facilitates social interaction, like from a distance. But also I think that this is something that's unique about our generation is that like we kind of discover things at younger ages that kind of make us develop in different ways and like kind of have a weird relationship with the internet that it can bring out these characteristics in us. Um, so, you know, like I, I didn't think anything of it. Like I knew that it was fucking hot, like to talk to other people like my age and like I definitely like showing my body to like a ton of fucking other kids like on the Internet, like on these kick chat forms. And that really like became like my second kind of like I can't ever like tell anybody this. And, like I think that's why to this day, like I haven't really talked about it. Mm-hmm. So this is like my fucking confession circle thing. <laughs> but I definitely As think that should. that was a huge part of like my sexual like evolution because like I was exposed to like older people like trying to like predate like kids and I was exposed to like a lot of um different things like oh like I stick stuff up my butt and I was like really like why would you do that like I feel like that would hurt and then I like would eventually end up trying it and then I was (laughs) I got to see like a ton of other people's dicks and I got to like go into a lot of different communities like that's where I was in a lot of like furry chat forms actually and that's where I met my first fucking boyfriend um at 15 that I still talk to to this day actually so like I one thing I can say about the internet being like something that connects us but also something that separates us like from like from a distance kind of aspect is that it kind of allows you to kind of create this pixel affection like between um people on the internet that you that you really can identify with because you wouldn't meet them in real life like saying hey I exposed my body on the internet, you know? So it was kind of like a weird kind of like darky shadow realm, but I like still existed in it. And I think that was a big part of like my uh, evolution. And eventually like I really got caught up in it. Like I broke up like quote unquote, I say that with air quotes, like with my boyfriend and like 
it made me so mad because he was like on grinder he had moved to grinder when he was like 17 or something like that and he was telling me like oh yeah like i totally went to see this dude and like we fucked and like it made me like so like it crushed me i was like really like why like you're like my boyfriend like all these preconceived notions i had about relationships and like movies and tv like ended up like getting destroyed because it was like wow like you just totally like fucking violated yourself and like i don't want you anymore but i was obsessed with him because i'd never had him in the first place like physically yeah but like in my mind i had built up like this um this yeah i built his virtual self up so much that like i couldn't see it defaced and like i was so hurt like i broke up with him and blocked him and like didn't talk to him for like years but because I would stalk him on the internet is why I still talk him to him today. Because I would stalk his Instagram. I'd never had an Instagram until like recently. I did. I mean, I did. But then. And it was fucked up. Like, I think that that was like a really gross part of myself. And I'm glad that like I've never felt those feelings again. Like, as of late. Like, I don't think it's cute. Like, it's not. Like, it's something that the internet kind of like. Create. Not really created. But like. It's like the harder kind of parts of ourselves that we have to look at because at the end of the day we're still just a person on our phone scrolling through it you know we're alone and that's kind of like the scariest reminder of it and I think that's what was scary to me even if I felt like this connection across the internet so eventually I moved to Grindr out of spite and fucked the first guy and that was weird to me because I felt like I needed to do it because he had done it and that kind of wasn't super mature of me like I was 17 at the time and like I just wanted to do it like to get back at him and it wasn't like super um it wasn't great like it was like oh I first like the first time I touched somebody else's like penis it was like okay cool like whatever I mean it wasn't whatever like it felt different and I definitely ended up coming but it wasn't like he wasn't what I wanted like he wasn't my boyfriend on the internet then yeah. and it was um kind of like I didn't have the level of comfortability like I've talked about in the past, like with my definition of sex, sex to be able to be mature enough to do all that. So moving from kick, I went to Grindr and I end up like meeting a ton of guys. Um, I met like a couple and I definitely think I still had that Internet kind of like perception in mind that I can just cut these people off. Like I never have to see them again, even if I see them in the physical world like once or twice, because what are they going to do? Like what are they going to do? Come to my house and like post my pictures online probably. But. I haven't seen any of the effects of it. Um, and yeah, I mean, like in the past two years, like I've kind of just decided, like, I don't think that's healthy. Like, I don't want to do any of that. Like, I've been off of social media for about like three years. And I think that kind of building my own relationships again, like even after like the whole COVID, like we have to live on the digital world um, has been like the most nurturing thing for me. Like, I definitely think that sex like my sexual journey became something that was kind that could have been like misconstrued and like distorted and became you know something that I very much enjoyed now and like I definitely have like a little bit more respect for like having a bit of trauma like being exposed to a lot of sex when I was a kid and then taking that and kind of creating fantasies and things that make me like happy and my partner happy and like um, something great that I'd want to share with everybody else. So it was kind of like a weird, kind of tumultuous, but also like I can see like back then, like you were stupid, like you had a lot of preconceived notions about what a relationship should have been. 
And you should have taken time to like unpack them and see why you felt that way. Cause honestly, to this day, like I, like I still talk to that guy, like that, my old boyfriend and like, I don't have any of those feelings anymore. Cause like feelings are temporary and like they'll pass. Mm -hmm. And I think it's just like that level of me still being available to talk to him and like I check up on how he's doing like kind of kind of makes me feel happy like I'm glad that like I can still have that relationship like kind of like it's a relic of that era but still yeah like it was so weird and like kind of um cultivated by the internet that I was made into a sexual being that sits before you so yeah that was kind of a weird um queer journey never really said that before and now I got chlamydia <laughs> Well, you have chlamydia as we speak? As we speak. So that's where I ended my sexual journey. Yeah. I found out at Planned Parenthood last week and I totally just said that on air. But um, I didn't tell you because I was like, dude, like that's a hot topic. STDs. Like this is my first exposure to it. And literally like my partner has been so fucking um, like hospital about it, like really caring, like really like chill about it. Like he was like, oh, like it happens. Like he worked in the porn industry and was like, yeah, it happens. And a lot of people don't take care of themselves and end up like not worrying. I, I, I found out cause like I three, every three months I get to renew, renew my prep prescription and like getting tested and like staying healthy and like up to date on that is like definitely part of my sexual health and well-being. Yes. And now I know. And like, I mean, I sleep around obviously, but like they're all with my friends. So it's like, Oh, like my friends kind of know like where I've been and what I've kind of been into. Yeah. So it's like a new thing that I have to deal with, but you know, it's like part of the sexual evolution. <laughs> It is. It is. First so, off. Oh, wow. Yeah. For all of you listening, I have never heard this up until this point. Yeah. Girl, you have. How are you feeling? I'm like, actually, I really have been thinking about it lately. Like, I don't think that this is something like majorly traumatic. I think it could be like, but I think that trauma still kind of is something that holds value. Like we can we can look at Frida Kahlo. We can look at Amy Winehouse and be like, wow. That was horrible, like what she went through. But I still like see so much like value in, you know, in adversity, you know, I don't think it's like necessarily so adverse. I think it's actually a pretty common like kind of thing that a lot of young gay men or boys don't feel like they can. Um, they don't have value like in the real world, so they turn to a place where people gratify them with sexual pictures and like videos and constant like messagings so it's kind of shameful like i like i can definitely speak to that being something i always hid like when i didn't have a phone or like when i didn't have an ipod or i got it taken away by my parents i was like fuck like what am i gonna do like what if they find out like i'm gonna be killed or something like that so it was like really it wasn't traumatic i definitely think it was a lot to work through though it's a lot for little kids like brain to kind of see like pictures of like other people on the internet but it's still it was like it was a weird kind of evolution right like it was very sexual so much sexual exposure and then like I was never molested like I never have been like physically molested as a kid but it was just like that is definitely what my parents tried to protect me from and here I am still like being able to like find these things because subconsciously I wanted to you know it's kind of crazy it is. It is crazy. And I'm glad that that's the perspective you're taking. Um, but when I meant how you're doing, I mean, like physically, like, have you been experiencing any pain? Oh, or no. Anything like that? I think it happened recently, actually. So I think it takes like two weeks to kind of like incubate or something like that. And then because my partner actually got tested and he didn't 
have chlamydia. So, oh, so I don't know. Uh, it's just interesting. Yeah. yeah, so like we're learning about sexual health day by day. <laughs> Yeah, that that is interesting, but um, so, yeah. yeah, we don't have to get too like into it, like obviously <laughs> now, uh, but um, yeah, I would also think that it's there's a lot of stigma that comes behind yeah. just having STIs, STDs. STDs. Yeah. Um, it's it's I think it's a caveat of the lifestyle, like of being sexually like liberated, and yeah, it's definitely like just yeah. like catching a common cold, like it's treatable, like it's like a week of prescription that I have to take, and like we're fine, but definitely don't have sex don't have sexual intercourse in that time period because just like we have super covid because of antibiotics or like any kind of like what well, is it super COVID? no but it's just super you know like uh, diseases mutate yeah or obviously but not, um, it happens medical people, but. because as you take the antibiotics the I think it's bacteria or is it a virus? I don't think that. It's not a virus. It's bacteria. I know that for antibiotics, you have to absolutely 100% finish all of the antibiotic. Yes. If you like start to feel better and then you stop taking it, you're really screwing yourself over because then you're going to become resistant. Yeah. But little tip that my partner told me is that as you were taking the antibiotics, the um, bacteria mutates and gets a little bit of uh, immunity to the antibiotics, which makes it stronger as you are dosing and treating yourself. So having sexual intercourse during that time period will actually spread like a stronger variant of chlamydia. So definitely will not be having sex this week. I am abstinent. I am a nun. I am Catholic. Who is this bitch, Sepia? I mean, you uh, can still masturbate. Yeah, I can still masturbate, but definitely I want to be careful with my cum. But actually, like, I don't know where I have it because they didn't tell me. And I because <laughs> we tried to find a way around it. They were like, oh, if it's just in your mouth or in your ass, like we can definitely you can definitely still fuck me. But they didn't tell me because I think they don't want me to have sex, period, because they don't want me spreading super chlamydia. Yeah. So good call. Good yeah. call. Now everybody knows they have chlamydia. It's part of the lifestyle. And I think that it should be destigmatized. It's just like a common cold. Yeah. Especially if it's treated appropriately and I don't a regret having fashion. sex any of the times that I had sex. So whoever gave it to me, we fucked. And we fucked good. <laughs> That's what's up. That's what's up. Okay, well. But yeah, so... girl. For me, I'm just worried about your your physical health. So yeah. you, you have treatment, yeah. like you were able to mm -hmm. get that. Okay, good, good, good. good. That's all I care about whatever chlamydia. yeah i'm i Big yeah deal. i get i get tested pretty regularly so I, i'm glad that i know so but now all of our listeners know the importance of getting tested regularly yeah because even i was also up in planned parenthood because i am in a monogamous uh relationship but even then my mom has a saying in spanish for all you people that understand spanish um what is it Caras vemos, corazones no sabemos. Faces Ooh. we see, hearts we don't. Mm -hmm. Meaning like you could be all set and good and comfortable with your little relationship, but you don't know if that other person be hoeing. And obviously, yeah, is it ideal to want to build trust and to trust your partner? Absolutely. That doesn't mean you, you got to be stupid, though. Got to go get tested because you never know what's going to happen. Um, and I think that it's beneficial. Even if you there is trust, like go together. You know, and and that should definitely be a part of the routine, especially for those of us who like to get it on very big. Oh, I get it on all the time. I beat around the bush <laughs> all the time. So, you know, do yourself some good. Meet me after the show, Bubbles. <laughs> do yourself some good and go get tested. All right. Um, wow. Next so, question. yeah, you asked that question. I definitely got into it with that question. We dished. Um, well, well, yeah, because... Um, that was the intention behind these. That's why I didn't, yeah. like, I wasn't hoping of outing you. I just was genuinely curious. No, yeah, but that's honestly something I've been thinking about. I was like, why have I never talked about that? 
honestly. I would imagine that part of you still feels really ashamed uh, of it. That's something that we've definitely talked about at length is that if something is still deemed shameful in our own minds, regardless of how logical we may be able to reason it, you know, there is always a delay between reason and um, the willingness to do something. There's always that, that delay because even though we, logically understand that something's true it doesn't mean that we necessarily feel that way immediately and i think that that delay needs to be honored in order to heal properly and and fully uh otherwise it's always going to be something that is um it's kind of like a wound that's only partially healed you know and so if there's something that rubs up against it in just the right way it will resurface so Mm, it's better to just honor we're examining our sexual evolution here on the show yeah it's just better to honor whatever like shame or trauma or whatever and again trauma is how you choose to define it but um listen to that part of yourself you know to all of you listening listen like to the pain and that hurt and that shame um and it's hard to do but really forgive yourself and take the time however long it may be to um accept that there is going to be that delay and and work through it not for whoever the aggressor or whatever traumatic circumstances caused it but for your own well-being you know you're the one that's um carrying the weight of all this trauma and it's not fair to you to just hold it in um, yeah. so that's what I will say about that. Obviously there's still a lot that needs to be done in terms of, you know, mental health care and, uh, to be able to get to a point where you are, um, healed from whatever that trauma is. But I think that, you know, accepting that there's going to be some time necessary in order to come to that is really important and to be yeah, patient with it's, yourself. It's all part of the journey. Like I'm happier now than I've ever been in my life and I don't feel bad about it. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. What's what's chlamydia? So, so honestly, like, honestly, no. But it's like we go through the things that we go through so that we can get to a point where we can look back and reflect on them, and just kind of be comfortable with it. Like yeah. even if it is like something that's deeply like hurtful or like it's a horrible breakup or like you don't think you'll ever like heal from something that's happened to you in your past. Like it's kind of an aspect of you, yeah. and I think that it's something that gets that makes you unique. Which is kind of one of these questions I wanted to get into. Okay. So I will kind of follow in with us talking about our traumas and our memories and our um, Uh kind of events that culminate and create the beings that are before us and ask you, do you believe that humans are unique? Do you think that like our species is derivative of everything else in nature or do you believe that we are complex meshes of kind of complex stimuli and responses? So, like, do you think that we could describe a human and all the things that they've been through in if statements, if else switch statements? I don't believe so. Wow. Okay. Reason being that that if that conditional logic that you're referring to Mm -hmm. and sorry for all of you that aren't computer nerds this is going to get a little nerdy for a little bit yeah no we actually had one of these questions in our class bear bear with us just just hang we're you signed up for technology you're getting technology (laughs) just bear with us a little a little bit but um yeah so it's very common in the computer science 
world that um, a lot of the logic that's used to build the technology services that you love and use every single day um, is a compilation. There's other structures that are involved, but um, if else statements are very common. So if said outcome occurs, then this is the result. So that's what um, Sepia is is getting at with this question. Mm-hmm. The Stimulate reason why responses. I don't think that human existence or even choices can be mimicked um, with with those with that kind of logic with the computer logic that we know now is that that logic was made by humans and humans Hmm. in and of themselves do not understand all the nuances about our own way of being. Um, We do not know a lot about ourselves as it is. And so it would be foolish to believe that with the limited knowledge that we do have about ourselves, that we'd be able to somehow completely replicate all of (laughs) human existence. I just... For me, I don't think that's the case. And maybe other individuals that are yeah. more knowledgeable than I with regards to AI and cognition and behavioral science can chime in and answer something a lot better than I at the moment. But do you think we'd even be able to tell? Like there's the concept of automata, right? That we can code something that can exactly behave like a human um, to our face and like to our senses, but outside of our senses and kind of our um human uh characteristics or what was i talking about yes the um senses kind of trick us like there's the concept that if you look into a mirror it doesn't actually show you reality it distorts it because it makes it solid when reality is something that kind of is existing in our own selves so i think in this case i would agree with you that there's something a little bit unique about humanity, like something a little bit unique that kind of creates, um, I don't want to say evil, but like creates like selfishness and creates like kind of psychosis and a lot of really carnal kind of like hurtful, like traumatic feelings. Um, But also on the flip side of that, like how would we even be able to create something like love or language with if statements? Um, something that is a little bit unique and like we don't fully understand like as um, a culture or being just human could be tricked though. So I think that in some cases we could not feel like we're unique. Like we can look at a doll and think that, oh, like that's a little scary, right? But why do we think it's scary? Like this is a concept in Ghost in the Shell where they kind of break down um, ones and zeros is like have knowing everything and a zero of knowing nothing. And if a doll is like a reminder to us humans that everything that we are could just be represented in mechanics, that's kind of scary. Like there's nothing unique about us. But yeah, on the flip side of that, like I think that representing us humans in like a form of a doll kind of shows us that there's this thing that we feel is so great and grand in ourselves that we should create androids in our image and we should create all these kinds of like um, technology and if statements that are imprints of us and our genome genome right so i think that that drive is something unique like how do you replicate something that is um kind of like a virus like kind of just like little like harmful but still uniquely like primal in a way because that's very much of what nature is about is just like preserving our genome so 
preserving what humans, what makes humans unique is kind of unique. Like, how would you even begin to code that? So a little yeah. meta there. It is very much meta, but to your point, I mean, I would still strongly disagree. Um, human life is not a composition of one and zeros as sexuality being like the prime example. That's a good one. Because that is literally what we talk about every single day. Yeah, that's a good point. That is one of the qualms with heteronormative culture is this false binary that they enforce to the max. I mean, not all heterosexuals, but. Um, so that's my issue with it. I think that there is uniqueness to humanity. And I do agree that there are physical phenomenon that exists yeah. in our world that does alter or distort our perception of reality. And one could argue at length what reality even means, which we will not do in this episode. Um, yeah. So like, it's not just a function, right? It's, it's no, just kind of is. There's, there's so many nuances again, that we ourselves are unable to comprehend. Um, and that is what I feel will limit. Suppose that, what I just said wasn't the case. Suppose that we did know absolutely everything about our genetic composition and behavioral patterns, and we just knew everything about ourselves. Even then, I don't believe that we would be able to replicate oh, yeah. human life There's or like, its uniqueness yeah. in any way, shape, or form. That's why, Simply that yeah. even if we did, it's... I mean, that one is going to be a little bit harder for me to argue yeah. without thinking well, about it at length. But there's still like the Faustian no. kind of um, perspective on this, too. It was like eat this kind of story that like this man knew everything, but it didn't make him human. It made him like just like this kind of omnipotent kind of force that still got dragged to hell. Like, sure, he knew everything, but was he even like part of our species anymore? Was he still even something that we should... Um, look up to or value like he, everybody turned against him and i think that's why he ended up getting sent to hell i don't well, remember I mean, like, that's also me. like kind of the premise of the giver right where yeah. like these people are like entrusted with all of the knowledge um you know of yeah. society and so whatever, shout out to my whatever. english teacher for <laughs> but um you know to everyone that's read that book in some form of i think a lot class. of people did yeah at least in the um, states yeah in the United States. So, uh, if you haven't read it, you yeah. should definitely read it because it's a very uh, big, like, it's just like the, like, it's like 1984 by George Orwell. It's oh, something that just book. resurfaces constantly. Creeps the fuck out of me and I still think about it to this day. Um, I have a copy of it and I read it annually just because I think That's it's actually so, really smart. Yeah, it's really that. poignant and it holds up. Um, however... Yeah, so that's that's my answer to your question. I think that human beings are are unique, and I don't believe and that sexual. there is logic that exists that could mimic uh, yeah. who we are. That is definitely the computer science answer because I remember we were asked that class in like one of my coding classes. People were like, yeah, I think we should. Like, I think we definitely can. And uh, I don't yeah. know. Like, maybe they didn't. Maybe For like a lot of their responses were they're used to interacting with a person on the internet and you can definitely tell a person apart from a bot. But if we got to a point where you couldn't like, sure, maybe you could be tricked that this isn't person, but it's hard to even begin to think about how to code language. Like there's so many different things I could have said in like the past, like 30, 40 minutes that we've been on this podcast that I didn't say. And for what reason, I don't necessarily know. Like there's just like some kind of like black box kind of mechanisms that go on there. So yeah. yeah, it's hard. But I mean, I don't know if we'll ever get to that point. It's just crazy to think yeah. about. 
I mean, it's definitely something worth worth leaning into. I personally, my stance on technology is uh, a bit crazy because while I do embrace um, ambitious technological developments mm-hmm. in in genetics research and uh, a bunch of different areas, I do think that there is complete value in not um, like making all parts of my life reliant on technology. I think there is value in having separation. And I feel as though a lot of humanity, right? I feel as though a lot of individuals in our position, students or practice, like people that are a part of tech, uh, believe otherwise they are just so quick to let's yeah. make everything super technological yeah. every part of our aspect needs to be digital and i couldn't be more in the opposition i but, strongly believe that not there is value in having separation and we are in a very um unique part of history right now mm-hmm. where we are experiencing or where we're Testing the boundaries and yeah, seeing how far we can take. Things. Here's a little bit of my counterpoint to that, though. Like, how quickly did we um, adapt to the Internet? I think one yeah, it's like thing, less than like 30 years old or something. Yeah. But I think one thing that we as the human species can definitely uh, clamor for is our unique ability to communicate with each other. Mm-hmm. And just like the evolution of our languages kind of separates us from a lot of different species and kind of... I, I'm reading this book called Sapiens where they kind of uh, suggest that Neanderthals and the other Homo erectus kind of species, I think the Homo erectus came before, couldn't stand, uh, couldn't exist in the same plane as humans because we had a superior ability to collaborate and think and communicate with each other. That is now accelerated exponentially with the internet. And do you think that this is only the evolution of how we are going to interact with our environment now that we've created digitalism and um, are beginning to replicate a lot of the things that we know in reality in the virtual world. Because I I don't want to say that metaverse now, like metaverse now isn't the future. Like, I don't want to say like, oh, like when I was younger, like we just had like this and that, like it was so much better when yeah, I just had I, kids. I don't you know? agree with I that. I definitely know that those people exist and that's because they get comfortable. And I still, I still yeah. think it is worth being skeptical about a lot of technology, but I also think that it's kind of the ends will justify. I don't think actually, you know, I don't, I don't want to say that because Facebook definitely fucked up this world, <laughs> but I definitely think but there's that still there value in, in experimenting was, it. I, however, for me, the reason why I believe that there should be some restraint is that it's yeah. that fucking capitalism, but man. Aren't cautious, it though. is literally that fucking capitalism that will completely just yeah. pervert anything that's good. Yeah, that's good. true. We, we have completely just like molested this planet, you know. But that's just that that's like a testament to the accelerating nature of humanity and technology is kind of how psychotic it becomes and just how. I, I don't feel like I want to get left behind. And maybe it's a little bit of FOMO, but also I feel like there is so much potential there. Like yeah. there's so and much possibility. Like I want to have my VR sex. Like <laughs> I agree. I think that there is a lot of potential. But it might and be a balance. So. For all of you listeners, I think 
that this is something that you also need to come to terms with, regardless of whether or not you would see yourself as a technology person or not. Yeah. Because whether you have chosen um, to actively think about these things or not, they will impact you. Yeah. And having a good That's, sense of ethics when it comes to how you choose to interact with your technology. I work in IT, and to this day, I don't know why some people still are freaking using computers because <laughs> and um it, it's it, I, w I would say is that even if you don't consider yourself a tech person it is wise to think about you know what are your values when it comes to technology because i think it's the new realm you know how we it, have political beliefs and you know ethics and morality an extension of our culture how like, how is it that that relates with regards to technology and we can do another episode about Digital ethics. I know, I'm we have totally that like point. hitting on all these points now that we're talking 100%, about. One hundred percent, we can do that, and we'll have that ready for you. Yeah, so you I, have I some love time. picking your brain about this, though. This is like really interesting. Like, yeah, and it's <sighs> it's fun because we both have the background that we do, and we can extrapolate a little bit more. Yeah. So, um, but anyways, yeah, but um, yeah, that I think that said, this is a, a good time for a cute little break. We yeah. got really meta there, folks. I do. So stay tuned, and when we come back, we will get into some more spicy questions. That concludes this episode of Hyper Sex Lab. If you like our content, please feel free to share with any other slutty whores you might know of. Links to our socials are in the description for this episode. Be sure to plug them at the next sex party you go to. It'll make you very horny. 